You're listening to the Moody Mommies Podcast. Audio warning. You may or may not hear kids screaming and yelling in the background. Or us screaming or yelling at them to keep it together. Hi guys, it's Jessica. And I'm Vanessa. And we're your Moody Mommies. It's time to get booty, guys. Yeah, we're back with our third and probably final episode on abortions. This time we're hitting it from a new angle. Different perspective. Pro-life perspective. But yeah, so you guys know we've had Vanessa Campos on with us before. And we have her back and we're super excited because she is a mom that we look to for advice that we have like a lot of confidence in her and oh my god you're making me blush <laughs> i haven't had like a lot of adult interaction in the past like 15 months so oh my goodness that was a really nice compliment <laughs> i don't know why i'm like so nervous oh my god don't be so do not be <laughs> I, not think I, I think i'm more nervous because it's so funny you say that every time, Vanessa, you're like, this is actually not that serious. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but we'll have another show out in two weeks, but it's not that serious. <laughs> <laughs> no, but I think I'm like more nervous because I feel like in social media, the more popular stance that I feel is being like promoted, promoted, not promoted, but I guess like broadcast out there is the pro choice stance. Mm-hmm. So I think that's why I'm like more nervous. I'm like, oh my god, I'm gonna get, like, get eaten like, by all negative, these vultures alive. Negative feedback. Oh, it's okay. Everybody no, has but their I'm, own I'm, mind I'm ready for it. Yeah. Decision. But even still, I think that it's important for us to hear from both sides. Oh, well, I think that you heard the other two podcasts on the topic, so you kind of know where we're coming from, or where the people that we know are women who have reached out for to us like the different kind of scenarios i'm ready yeah just jump in oh okay okay so i guess i'll start by saying um my general stance generally speaking i am pro-life i wouldn't necessarily label myself i think like in one of your questions you used the word like pro-lifer or i think i saw that somewhere on your guys's page maybe i don't know but um, I've also like been doing a lot of reading, you know, in the past couple of weeks. And I've noticed that like a lot of people that are pro-life, um, they're being labeled like as pro-lifers. Mm-hmm. I don't know why, but I just, I wouldn't label myself that. I would just say that my stance is pro-life, but that doesn't mean that it includes me shaming other moms um, or frowning upon individuals who choose to take a different stance than me so I am pro-life but it doesn't mean that because you're pro-choice I'm like oh no I don't agree with that that's totally not okay and we cannot socialize that's not that's not my stance at all I don't disagree with pro-choicers I think that under any circumstance foreseen or unforeseen um, I am pro-life So with that being said, I can say that I do relate to those who are pro-choice by sharing the belief that I do reserve the right at any time um, and I am allowed to choose as I please, whenever I please. I'm allowed to change my mind when I need to change my mind in order to best meet the needs of myself and my family. So I know that can kind of sound like contradictory Mm -hmm. Um, and it can come across as like, oh, well, you're just kind of flip floppy and you're just kind of like not really taking a stance here. And you're just kind of like, well, I'm just gonna choose whatever's best for me today. And well, I mean, I think that that's just part of like who we are. Like we just choose what is best for us at that time. At that time. So then like in that view, it kind of seems more like you would be pro-choice yes so like with pro-choice meaning like I don't want to have an abortion and I don't think that I would ever want to do that but if it works for someone else then that's their choice so then 
wouldn't that make you kind of more pro-choice than just pro-life? I feel like I'm kind of, I feel like I'm, I guess as we get in deeper into the conversation, you'll see okay. um, a little bit of both. But I feel like I really am, I wouldn't say completely on the fence because I feel like I am more of a pro-lifer than a pro-choicer. Does that make sense? Okay, yeah. We'll keep, um, we'll keep getting into it. <laughs> so um, I listened to your, your last two um, episodes and, you know, I've also been doing some reading. And so I think that some of the things that stuck out to me the most were, let me just read to you what I wrote. So okay. I put, I am pro-life on situations that involve a fetus or a baby that will have medical, mental health or disabling conditions. So um, if I know... Uh, ahead of time, like well ahead of time that this baby is going to have medical, mental health or any disabling condition, or even if it happens, um, I don't know, what's the cutoff? What is the cutoff in California? Six, 16 weeks. I think. Okay. So, so even if I know, I guess up until the cutoff, either way, I'm going to go through it all the way. And so in that aspect, I am pro-life. Um, I am also pro-life on situations that involve, and I know this is very sticky, rape or pregnancy that results from trauma. I am pro-life in that situation as well. I do, I will say that I find it really hard to make a decision because I'm not faced with that decision right now, but I find it really hard to take a stance or make a decision about a situation that would involve incest. So... I can't tell you right now, like, you know, if I were put in that situation, what choice I would make. So I think that's kind of like the only situation that I've really thought about that I'm like, you know what, I'm just going to kind of stay gray for now. And I'm not going to really say, well, this is probably what I would do. People who are like getting pregnant from rapes are not happening just once, you know, like they'll end up getting pregnant again, like right after by like the same person or by whoever and it's just like this young person with that's just constantly pregnant yeah so like that kind of gets you know I could I could kind of see like okay you know this happened I'm gonna keep the baby but then it like gets to an extreme where like oh shit you know like I'm this is like the third or fourth time yeah 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 I mean all of those things have made me think a lot so when it comes to, I guess, like the topic of rape, I just feel like what really needs to happen is like we as a society need to collectively invest more time, effort and funds into determining what the true causations are for social issues like rape, not just rape, but um, social issues and um, traumas that result of social issues and not just continue to find cures or remedies to subside the symptoms of these issues. I feel like we really are like in the business of trying to fix the aftermath and not trying to prevent the causation of what is actually happening. I have not done thorough research on the mental health of individuals who do commit rape and things of that nature, but um, I guess like, in the field that I've worked in for a little while and just throughout this last, you know, like 15 months of being a stay-at-home mom and just truly becoming like connected with my own mental health journey and things of that nature. Like in my personal opinion, I feel like rape really does say mental health all over it. And I think that there really is something bigger happening that's at the root of why these issues are taking place. But I think that we're too busy trying to find therapeutic remedies for dealing with the aftermath when we should be looking for what the true causation is of these issues in order to begin practicing preventative care. And I know that that's like a really, 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 really like far-fetched dream, right? Um, When we would be able to, I guess, provide the quality mental health services that we as a society need in order to function better and work better together cohesively. But like one of the things that like really gets me that I could relate this issue to is like 
just recently, one of my friends, I think on Instagram or something like that, she's in, she's in the line of work and her position um, entails her actually going into people's homes where there's neglect or abuse or anything that constitutes a child being taken from their home. So she's pretty much like the frontline person. So she's, she goes into these homes and, you know, she sees children that have been neglected or she walks into homes where there's like drugs and guns on the table. And, you know, she's in the situation where she has to, you know, write up the report that says this child has to be removed from their parents' custody. And um, she posted something like a picture of her own child and the caption she wrote. Something that, that to me kind of came off a little bit offensive to the families that she was serving. Mm-hmm. Um, and she wrote something like, oh, I love you so much. I would never do anything to hurt you. Um, I'm going to always do the very best that I can to um, to protect you and to make sure that, you know, I never, whatever, whatever. Basically, she loves her kid. And, you know, I commented on there because somebody else had wrote something And she ended up sharing, like, personal information. She didn't say any names or anything, but she just said, like, some derogatory comment, like, oh, these these dumbass parents, like, don't deserve to be having children because whatever the issue is, right? And I commented on there and I said, you know, like, I don't think that's really fair, like, for you to say because I'm not justifying their behavior. I'm not saying that those children should stay with those families. But what I am saying is that there are deeper rooted issues in society that are happening here that we need to start to pay attention to. And I almost feel like sometimes we're setting these parents up for failure because those issues were never taken care of. And, you know, I said that to her. I said, you know, these parents cannot, you can't, you cannot set an unreasonable expectation on an individual when they've never been taught the skill, you know, and that's like true for your children. Like I'm not going to expect Olivia at five years old to be able to complete some algebraic problem. And I said, I think that it's true on the same level of parenting. You can't expect individuals who have children to be able to successfully parent their children when they've never had that experience themselves. And a lot of people beat the odds and a lot of people are able to do it just because we're humans and, you know, we're supposed to be good natured and we learn how to do the right things by watching other people. But I think that in relation to rape, I guess what I'm trying to say is we need to find the root cause of all these issues happening. And that's a really long shot, but I think that the more that we, um, like, advocate for mental health awareness, the more that we normalize mental health awareness, because that's, like, a really big one, right? Like, there's a huge stigma about just even admitting that there's maybe something wrong. Mm -hmm. But I think that the story that I just told, you know, about Mm -hmm. that individual, like, I don't think that it's fair to just kind of be black and white about it I think that it's been a reoccurring issue for hundreds of years I mean this it needs to be something that is actively given the attention that it deserves I guess but how do you how do you feel about situations where I think there was two stories where it's kind of it's not even a like a mental health issue at all it's just like a decision where they're they just don't want another kid and they slipped up and they ended up pregnant when they didn't want another kid or a kid at all. And they're just, a, this isn't for me. Like, I'm, I just don't want to. I can honestly say that I don't agree with it. And I have thought about, you know, I, I guess, I'll, I guess this is also in relation to that as well. Um, One of the questions that you asked me was if I believed in birth control. And my answer to that is no, I don't believe in contraception. Um, That involves me putting any kind of hormone or any kind of 
object into my body to prevent pregnancy. And I will also say that it's very difficult for me to practice that belief 100% because, of course, intercourse involves two people and not just one. So I also have to respect the decision that the other person has made, which is Juan, um, to use contraception or not. So if he's made the decision to use it, now it's my decision to say, okay, well, I can meet you in the middle and I'll be okay with it. Or you know what? I'm not comfortable with that. I guess in relation to your question about like the two stories that you were referring to, I have thought about that, you know, and I've, and I've thought about like, especially when I was listening to your, the last two episodes, I thought to myself like, okay, well, what if I was in their situation? I don't use birth control. And what if I accidentally slipped up too? And this was just the easiest thing for me to do because I'm not working and we just can't afford another kid and I'm just not ready for it again. And, you know, it is very tempting for me to want to say like, okay, well, it would probably just be easier for me to just get rid of the issue. But there's just something inside me that I guess doesn't allow me to to change my mind. Mm-hmm. And so, no, I, would, I wouldn't I would do that. I would just say, like, okay, well, you know, I made the decision to engage in this behavior, and I knew that there was this possible result that may happen, and so I knew the possibility going in, and now the possibility has come true. So this is my reality. I will also say that we're not actively trying to get pregnant. So that means that it kind of makes it a little bit harder for me. Because I've made the decision not to use contraception and we're not trying to get pregnant, that means that if I really don't want this result, um, I have to make sure that I'm doing everything that I can, that I do believe in, to try to avoid getting pregnant. Mm-hmm. So um, some of the things that I do are tracking my cycle. Um, I watch for changes like in my discharge. And then when I'm breastfeeding, I just use the breastfeeding method. Um, it worked really successfully with Olivia the first time around. I nursed her for like... 14 months and I didn't get my cycle back until maybe she was like 20 months Mm -hmm. so during that whole time I wasn't ovulating and I never got pregnant and even after I stopped um, breastfeeding her and when my cycle did return I just used this other two methods that I shared with you I just tracked my cycle and I just watched for changes in my discharge and it was pretty successful until we decided to get pregnant with Allegra and that was a planned pregnancy so I was pretty successful at avoiding that until I wanted it to happen and but with Olivia I know you you and Juan were like not together very long before you were pregnant with her yeah we weren't we were together for four months Uh uh-huh so I mean obviously I know it was like not a question like for you but did he offer you like an option like what do you want to do when you found out or were you guys both on like okay cool we're about to have a baby yeah we were both we were both on the same train it was yeah. there was never there was never a question and um i guess like in relation to that i'll share another story i think that the story that kind of tugged at most of our hearts was the last uh, guest that you guys had on your last episode. Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, it was a tough one. It really was. And I don't want to sit here and, you know, compare myself to that person because I will never know what she went through. And I pray to God that I don't ever have to know what she went through. But in some way, I kind of do relate to her a little bit. And I feel like it tugged at my heart a little bit more because. Like, I know you just asked me if Juan was, you know, if he had given me an option or if we were both just, like, really gung-ho about it when we found out. And so we were. And so we were both really excited. Like, we never questioned it. Not one time. It was not a second thought in our minds. 
and we were just extremely excited that we were going to become parents. And it was really hard to get through like the first 16 weeks because when I went to my initial doctor's appointment, um, everything was fine. They found a heartbeat. I think I was like uh, six weeks or something like that. And so everything was fine. And then, you know, they said that I was going to come back again. Um, I think it was like, what is it, like every six weeks or something? I think, I think so. Like, I think like every month or so. Yeah. So know. then I, I went back at the next one and actually I went back sooner. And the reason why I went back sooner was because when I was like, I think like seven weeks pregnant, I started bleeding and I was bleeding like if it was a normal period. Mm. And that was really tough because it was my first time being pregnant. I didn't know what to expect. Um, I really felt like I had no emotional support. Um, At home, me and Juan were living apart and we lived apart until I was like eight months pregnant. So I was really going through all of this alone. And um, so I still continued to show up to my doctor's appointments. And he basically told me that I was um, at high risk. And he pretty much said, most likely you're going to have a miscarriage. And it was really difficult for me to hear that because I wanted this baby so bad because I had already made that decision Um, I I actually don't think I ever made that decision. I think it was just something that naturally was born inside of me when I found out that I was pregnant. Um, so it was really hard for me to hear that. And so I laid on the couch, I remember until I was 16 weeks pregnant and, um, and I wasn't so nauseous at all hours of the day. So not eating anything, um, me and Juan were apart and he was at work all day and nobody was home all day. And so not eating, laying on the bed all day and just having no emotional support, like mentally that was really tough for me. So I think that um, when I heard her story, it kind of really got me because I just, you know, things go through your mind and I just would think to myself like that could have been me you know so so many things could have not gone you know the way we had hoped um but it started to turn around when I was 16 weeks pregnant and now she's five so um yeah I guess that's just like a little story that you know that I wanted to share yeah I had no idea that even happened yeah I know you're not, like, right around the corner from us, so we don't really get to see you that often unless it's, like, a family thing. Like a family function, yeah. Yeah. Um, Yeah, and I remember, I remember, like, uh, during that time also, like, I remember my mom, like, I, you know, tried to come to her, like, just to get some kind of, like, emotional, like, reassurance or something. And I remember I came to her, you know, and I was just crying and crying and I just, I didn't know what to do. I mean, nobody knew what to do. Like there was nothing to do except just wait. Mm -hmm. And, um, I remember she was just like, well, you know, if it's not meant to be, it's not meant to be. And just be grateful that you don't have to deal with that responsibility. And I was just like, but I want to deal with that responsibility. I'm ready for that. And I just felt like I I was alone. So that was tough. I was going to ask how you felt about medical intervention to get oh, pregnant. Yeah. Um, so one of the other questions that, that kind of stuck out to me that you wrote in that little list was like, um, how do you feel about, how do you feel about uh, people saying that pro-lifers don't care about mm-hmm. what'd you say like uh, kids in foster care or uh-huh. kids at the border or something like that yeah uh, 
And so I think this is kind of like relevant to that because I didn't know what you meant when you asked that question. And I was like, what do you mean I don't care about foster kids? <laughs> so, so I was like, I care about foster kids. So like I looked it up like to try to find the relation. And the article that I found like was saying that um, basically like pro-lifers are not really conscious about the consequences of um, this overly abundant foster care system, uh-huh, right? Uh-huh. Yeah, so um, I feel like the medical intervention question is relative to that because my answer is that I don't believe in medical intervention to start a family um, because I believe that there are plenty of children in the world that are currently in need of a family. So I just really feel like, especially here in America, um, society has really blurred the lines of what it means to be entitled and privileged to have the choices to decide on medical intervention to start a family. So my thought is kind of like, well, what about people in third world countries who are unable to bear children or or who are infertile? They certainly don't have the option of poofing some genetically acceptable life into existence. So I think that all of that to say is that in America, we're really just spoiled. Like, I think that most people lean towards medical intervention to start a family because they need to have this genetically acceptable baby. Like, it has to be of my genes. Um, and so I just don't know how I feel about that because there's a lot of children who are in need of a family. And so because they're not genetically yours, you don't want them? Like, when I think about it, I think about, like, for example, one of our cousins, she's in a lesbian relationship, and she still wanted to have that experience of, like, being pregnant and, you know, breastfeeding and doing all that, like... Birthing your own child. Yeah. Labor experience. Like, not even about it just being like, oh, it's genetically mine, because obviously it's not genetically her wife's. Like, it's just that she wanted all of that. And I know that kind of, I kind of hear, you know, we're spoiled that we're able to do that here. But, I mean, I feel like that's why we're so lucky to be born here. To, like, have that option. Yeah. I didn't think about that, but you're right. I mean, I don't know why I didn't think about that. Um, I personally feel like, I mean, it's all, it's all like interlaced and it's all interrelated. Right. But I just feel like that is a really gray area for me. I don't have anything against individuals of the LGBTQ. I don't know how many other letters Mm -hmm. have been added (laughs) to the acronym. Mm -hmm. I don't have anything against, any of those individuals or their beliefs or the way they choose to live their lives. Um, I think that parenthood is a beautiful experience and that everyone and anyone should be able to experience that. But I will say that I feel like that question is kind of like a gray area for me. And I don't know how I feel about, about medical intervention to be able to have a child because you're in that kind of a relationship. Mm-hmm. I also, you know, recently found out that one of my childhood friends, she's married, you know, to her wife. Mm-hmm. They're in a lesbian relationship. And they, I don't know, I don't know the correct or appropriate terminology, but um, they're going to have a baby. And... Although, like, you know, I look at the pictures on social media, you know, I see that, you know, they're due any day now. I still, to this day, have not developed an opinion as to how I feel about that. Um, I think that, generally speaking, when you see somebody has had a baby, it's good and positive and happy feelings. So I do... I do share that sentiment when I look at their pictures. I mean, I'm happy for them and I'm happy that they're going to have that experience, but I still don't know how I feel about it. I don't know if that makes sense. Yeah, I mean, it it makes sense to, you know, your whole case to how you feel about 
the intervention in general. Yeah. I just feel like, I don't know, like this whole topic, I think that the reason why I said yes to come on, mm-hmm. I really don't know the reason why I said yes to be honest. <laughs> but, <laughs> but then like as I began to like, you know, just ponder and think like, okay, well, what the hell am I going to say to her um, besides I'm pro-life? Um, I think as I began to just think about it more and more, like, I just really became stuck on the belief that I feel like I'm nobody, you're nobody, we are all nobody to draw a line where we draw it. Does that make sense? Like, in the instance of... um I guess like the different circumstances of pregnancy that results from trauma, right? Mm -hmm. So like, let's just say three situations. Um, You have been with, I don't know, this guy for five years and then all of a sudden you break it off with him and you're like, you know what, we need to go our separate ways and his emotions turn into rage and you guys are like grown grown adults and he rapes you and now you're pregnant because you didn't consent to that right and then that's the first situation and then the second situation it's like a young girl that um is kidnapped and i know this sounds horrific but right a young girl that's kidnapped and she's raped and now she's pregnant and then the third circumstance is like okay well this i i know how this sounds but um, this father that has like mental health issues, I don't know, after experiencing some traumatic event in his life and he commits like acts of incest and now, you know, somebody that he's related to is pregnant by him. So I guess what I'm trying to say is like, I feel like I'm nobody, you're nobody, everybody is nobody to say where the line is drawn. Like, oh, well, this one's okay, but that one's not. Mm-hmm. Well, this one would be okay if she was maybe like five years older, but given the circumstances, no, I don't think it's okay. Does that make sense? I understand what you're trying to say. Yeah, I think. Yeah, just you know who who are like we to, ha- yeah who are we to decide like, when who it's are okay? We to decide yeah. when it's okay and when it's not. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, and I think that that just brings me back to like the bigger picture in my mind is that we really need to give a lot more attention to the importance of mental health. Mm -hmm. We really need to find like the causation for all of these social issues. I mean, like that, like that parent that I was, you know, that story that I told you about um, this individual that I Mm -hmm. kind of was like in disagreement with Mm -hmm. about her judgmental views on parents that endanger their children. Her argument was like, oh, well, you don't, she was like, well, you don't see the looks on these little kids' faces when they're crying and they're hungry and they, you know, haven't been bathed in so long. You don't see that. I have to see that every day, right? That was her argument. And I turned back around and I said, I'm not defending their behavior. I'm not justifying their behavior. But let me ask you this question. Who saw the tears in their parents' eyes when they were little? Who was there for them when they experienced the same thing that they're now putting their children through? It's a cycle. It's a continual cycle of abuse. It's a continual cycle of these mental health issues that are, they're not, they're not innate in us, but they almost seem like they're innate because they've been present from the beginning. Does that make sense? Yes. Sorry, I'm like trying to process everything. So I just feel like in relation to rape, like that there's like some deeper rooted issues there. Yeah, but let's just, I mean, for me, I feel like being pro-choice isn't just about because you got raped, you could do it. Yeah, it's just more than that. Uh Uh-huh. Okay, so one thing that um, I remember you brought up on one of your episodes was, or, or one of your guests, I think, maybe brought up or one of the stories that was shared. Somebody said something about like, oh, it's my body, it's my choice. 
and that I think like the the boyfriend or the husband was like will I get a say too and then I think she said like no you don't or something like that is did, was there a story like that um I think that was the husband and wife that she got pregnant and she was just done having oh, kids yeah. it was gonna be like their fourth kid or something and she was like no Mm-hmm. And he's like, "Come on." He wanted to have the baby. Uh-huh. And then she said something like, "It's my body or my choice or something like that, right?" Mm-hmm. Yeah, like because she basically felt like, "Well, I'm the one that's going to have to carry this right. baby and nurse this child and it's going to be all on me and my body." So, like so I guess like this is another perspective because you were saying that, you know, it's not just about that. Mm-hmm. So in my opinion, I do feel like it's not just my choice. Um, I do feel like it's not just a hundred percent my decision. Like we don't want to have any more children, Juan and I, um, at this moment in time, if I make the decision to engage in that kind of behavior, then I feel like it is my responsibility from the beginning to accept whatever result may be if it if that happens. So I think that along with that decision that I'm making and along with the responsibility that I'm accepting, I think that it's also only fair for me to also accept the responsibility that I owe it to this person to give them 50% of the decision. It's just, the, the thing is, is that I feel like pro-life kind of sits on, well, in a perfect world, if you, we could figure out why you're mentally ill and we could figure out, you know, how to get you to track your cycle and we could figure out how to get, you know, whatever, like figure out how to get everybody on the same page would be in a perfect world like yes then we could all keep our children and raise them happily but that's just no abortions right like that just isn't the case this just like there's it's been thousands of years and it's never been the case where everybody could say no and that's never never gonna happen that's never gonna happen i mean that's a given but like in terms of like uh what you said about like in a perfect world, you know, you being able to track your cycles and whatnot. I think that there's a lot of different variations of pro-life. Um, so that's just my my variation. Mm-hmm. I'm sure there's plenty of pro-lifers that are like, you know what, I'm pro-life, but um, I'm pro-life within my own circumstances that constitute if I become pregnant, I'm going to keep the baby, but I will still use contraception. Mm-hmm. So I think that there's, and I think that that just kind of um, like testifies to the bigger picture of what pro-choicers are saying is that I have a choice. And I think that that's kind of like a lot of the sentiment that we all carry cohesively, whether you're pro-life or pro-choice, mm-hmm. is that you have a choice. Because I can't sit here and tell you, you know, like some of the things that I've thought about too is like um, when I shared with you guys, you know, in in the situation of of rape or or pregnancy that results from trauma, um, that I shared with you guys that my stance was still pro life, and so I kind of thought to myself like, okay, well, what would some of the rebuttals be? Obviously, some people are going to be like, oh, so if your daughter you know, was in this situation, you're going to tell me that you would pressure her to keep the child. I'm not saying that. I can't say that. I can't speak for some kind of situation that hasn't happened and God forbid it ever happens. Mm -hmm. But I will say that I do share the belief that I do share the same belief that pro-choicers have in that I will repeat what I said in the beginning that I'm allowed to change Mm -hmm. my decision and my choice at any given time if I please to fit the needs of my family so even if that means you know that I don't agree with my child 
in some kind of a situation where that would happen, even if it means that I don't agree with them, but that's their choice, I'm going to support them. Does so that kind of like a case by case situation? Yeah. And I think that that's just kind of how life is. Yeah. You know, and you never really know what you're going to do until the you're, the mo- you have the, moment the choice. Yeah. yeah mm-hmm. The path is thrown at you. Yeah. So do you feel like any of these, do any of these beliefs stem from like a religious standpoint in your life? I will say that growing up, we were not like big churchgoers or big, um, like heavy on practicing, actively practicing religion uh, as like a family routine. It was nothing like that. But we just kind of were raised to believe that um, we were supposed to conform to whatever was already set in place by the generations before us and that we were just expected to fall in line. Um, So I think that most of our family kind of did that. Um, And it was just kind of always in the air for me. I didn't ever really actively practice um religion either but it was just kind of there and I don't know if I haven't developed an opinion on whether the person that I choose to be stems from like oh well it's because religion told me that you know I'm supposed to be this kind of a good person or if it's because it's just like innate human behavior that we're supposed to be good to each other, right? But for the most part, I think that my general understanding and the morals that I live by or that have been normalized in the society that we live by have told me that nobody has the right to take somebody else's life. So I don't want to say that it comes from a religious place, but I can see that it was probably influenced by that. But I think that generally speaking, um, I think that it's a pretty, I guess, like a pretty standard normalized moral that we should not go around taking people's lives. So I think that that's kind of where it comes from. Did I answer your question? Yeah. I, I also wanted to share, um, I remember listening to like, I don't know if it was the last episode or, or the episode before that, but somebody shared like that they had, oh, I think it was one of the stories that somebody wrote in that they had shared, um, you know, I, I used to be pro-life, I even wrote a paper on it, and then it happened to me. And I guess she was faced with the, the decision, right? Right, yeah, so for this one, so the First time she became pregnant was kind of like around the same age as you. I think she was 19, 20 years old. And, you know, she had the baby. And then with like pretty much right after she had the baby, she got pregnant again. But the guy was like this was not the there for her. guy, right? Yeah, the guy that was like really that abusive. Like, yeah, and like just like mooching off of her, like not yeah. working. And, mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay, so um, her little write-in reminded me of a paper that I wrote when I was in college. Um, I wrote a paper on pro-life also. And um, I guess like it kind of became, it kind of like came full circle for me because I remember, I don't know what episode it was that you guys recorded, but you guys recorded an episode and it was, I think, where you were sharing, um, I think it was when you announced your pregnancy. And, and um, you were sharing, like, some of, I guess, like, the journey that you had already been through, like, with the with the testing. And then I think you had traveled to Mexico to go mm-hmm. visit a friend. Mm-hmm. And then something about, like, you were worried about um, the, the, what is that? Uh, Zika or Zika. Yeah, the Zika, right? Say it. Mm-hmm. That you were worried about that. And then, like, you just kind of made a comment in passing but that wasn't really the topic of conversation, but you just kind of like made a comment and you were like, yeah, because you know, if am I going to keep the baby if this, if it's like, uh, huh yeah. And you were just like, you were just like, um, no, like, of course not. Like, I know that there are, and there, that there's people that are, you know, like willing to, you know, 
parent, but then you like started saying, um, like, what kind of quality of life is that? Like, that's, Mm -hmm. you know, no quality of life. I just kind of like remembered that because of the field that I'm in, like, you know, I'm going to be working with individuals that have disabilities. And I've gotten to know a lot of individuals that have disabilities throughout my life. Um, So that part kind of stuck with me. And then when you read this story that the girl wrote in, and she had talked about a paper that she wrote. So whatever you had said, plus whatever you read, she had wrote, that kind of like triggered this thought in my mind. Because I remember when I wrote my paper on pro-life, I remember like one of the arguments that I wrote in my paper was that sometimes people make the decision to abort their child because um, the doctors have told them that there's like some um, malformation or that the child is missing like some part of their body or the child is missing um, like some organ or disability or something, right? And I remember, like, writing, like, okay, well, if you're making that decision to abort your child because they're going to be born without whatever part of their body, my question was, like, is that equivalent? And you're saying, like, what kind of quality of life is that, right? I'm not saying, I'm not directing this at you. but no, that's I'm, fine, yeah. Um, I'm saying, like, if you're making that decision and you're saying like, okay, well, I'm going to abort this child because he or she is missing this part of their body. And what kind of quality of life is that? That's not a great quality of life that I guess meets my standards or my beliefs as to what quality of life is constituted as. So then my question is like, okay, so is that equivalent to you saying that if this person goes to war and comes back with three limbs missing, you know, this is like a grown person that has been alive for 40 years. And now this person's missing three limbs. Okay, well, their quality of life is shot now. So we should just kill them. Uh, Of course, the answer that's that's extreme. That is extreme. But I guess the point that I'm trying to prove is, who are you to draw the line? Yeah. Who are you to pick when and where? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I could see that. I mean, I feel like missing limbs and someone having like Down syndrome and like that kind of stuff. But for me, it was like this kid's like not going to have a brain. Like it's going to be all missing and they'll never walk. They'll never. I mean, they'll have, you know, like they'll never be able to have a thought for themselves it'll just be stuck they'll be trapped in this little bottle and you know I think that's what was had me on the like fence about that I mean I know it's all like really different and like for me with the genetic testing where it was more like I just want to know what to expect you know like Mm -hmm. okay if it's if our kid is going to have Down syndrome I want to like be prepared and have the tools that I'm going to need to parent this kid because it's going to be a lot different than Justine. Right. Yeah, but I I understand your argument with the, you know, if this happens to them later in life or if it happens in the world. Yeah, I guess my question is, like, who are we to say, like, what a good quality of life is? Mm -hmm. You know, I think that quality of life, especially after working with and meeting so many individuals with disabilities, I think that quality of life really is what you make it and I will say that yes it I don't have a child with disabilities but that I can imagine it is a lot of work to provide all the support that they need in order to attain some kind of quality of life but yeah and and the the sad fact is that most of us don't have the like financial security to take care of someone like that and I mean getting help from the government like is not enough like they'll never get the care that they need no that's very true um so that I mean that just I feel like that's what you know leans people to like make a decision on what they're gonna choose for what their life is gonna be like what you know 
that they're going to have a child, like put them through this where they're not getting proper care and as much of a like good person as they are, like they just can't provide it. Yeah, I know. And it's, I, I think that it's like that all the way around on a lot of different levels because, you know, like one of the quotes that like really has stuck with me throughout my parenting journey is, um, that society expects us to parent like we don't work and they expect Mm -hmm. us to work like we don't parent. Mm -hmm. And I think that like, like in relation to what you're saying about, you know, having all the tools that you need in order to provide all of the support. One thing I've always questioned myself about being in the early childhood education field is I would always ask myself like, how is it that I come to work with other people's babies and I leave my own baby to do this? Mm -hmm. And whatever I get from this job is not enough to provide for them whatever it is that I'm preaching over here. So I feel like the last five years of my life have really been a balance have have really been a struggle in trying to find the balance of being able to give my kids that. I think I've done a pretty good job. Yeah, the girls but, are great. Thank you. Mm-hmm. But um, it has been hard because that's what I do. You know, I I have just jumped around left and right, all the way around to try to get through the first like six years of each of their lives by being somewhere close in vicinity. And I've done that. You know, if they move, I move. Um, If they're placed somewhere else, I'm trying to get closer to them. I'm trying to rearrange my schedule to maximize my time with them. I'm trying to do whatever I can in my power to maximize I guess the opportunities that I have to teach them something because I feel like that's the only power that I really have because we don't have the financial ability to be able to do it all. Right. And that's, that's what I've done. And I think that you're right. A lot of people don't have, those tools they don't have that knowledge they don't have that support to be able to do that so it's it's very tough and I think that's kind of like where most people are coming from where it's just like dude the situations are always so different that it's hard to say what I think is right for me should also be right for you yeah but like you said I mean as individuals we reserve the right to change our minds about things as our lives go on well yeah i mean that's i feel like that's really what most of american society is built off of i mean we're self-interest people Mm -hmm. everything is of self-interest you know everything that we do as individuals is how is this going to benefit me Mm -hmm. not the whole how is it going to benefit me Mm -hmm. and i think we're just kind of stuck in that mindset I don't really think that's gonna change anytime soon so I mean I just tell myself like okay well if this is not gonna change then I just gotta teach my kids what I can because that's all I have to give them is knowledge that cannot be taken from them and give them the skills that they need to advocate for themselves because that's what it comes down to it comes down to who advocates harder, who fights harder to get whatever is in their best interest. One of the other questions I asked you was if you know anybody that has had to have an abortion. I do know some people that have been faced with the decision, um, and I've known people who've made the decision time and time again, and they've made this decision because it was obviously the best decision for them and for their family but I will also say that I've never judged anyone for making that decision and I respect the decisions 
I feel like parenting decisions are not really um, anyone's business but the parents themselves. And so with that also being said, it also goes back to what I said about like men having 50% of the decision because they're also the parent too. Mm -hmm. So having this information about people who have made this decision has never really affected me in terms of like distancing me from them or um, continuing to build a relationship with them. I have just carried on my relationships with these individuals um, the same way that it was before they shared that information. That's really good. I feel like there's plenty of people that they're like, oh, you did that, you're gross. And like, you know, turn your back on them. And so do we have anything that we want to say to wrap up how you feel, how you feel about the pro-life label or? Um, No, not much. I guess just kind of like to summarize it in 45 minutes not just kidding <laughs> i guess um, you know i really could you know i could i know dude vanessa you correct me up every time and i know it's because you're really detailed and you want to get your point across right but every time i get a message from you i'm like oh my god it's a novel hold up let me like let me prepare myself for this one. <laughs> let me just sit on the toilet so i have some literature <laughs> and then she replies and she's like she replies and she's like yeah okay, okay. one word <laughs> and i'm like you freaking jerk like i don't talk to any other moms like can you please can you please throw me a phone here oh my god you guys my freaking belly is so huge i'm gonna pee myself let's not oh my gosh well you, you can chat with me whenever you need some mom lingo vanessa i'm always here make sure you have enough uh in your phone memory. I will. I will. <laughs> she never does. I she don't, never but does. I will make sure <laughs> <laughs> or open up a new cloud or something. <laughs> we'll just email. It's cool. We'll email. <laughs> <laughs> so no, but I think just to summarize, I feel like um, I don't. I don't really like the label, um, but. There's a lot of ways in which I can relate to some of the beliefs that pro-choice people have. Um, And I also think that just as like a closing statement, I don't think I'm anybody to say when or where or to draw the line on what situation is, what situation constitutes it to be okay and what situation doesn't. Got it. So that's just kind of where I stand. Yeah. And I mean, and it's totally fair. I think it's totally fair for us all to have our own stance on um, where we sit with that. Yeah. But I know this conversation was a very long time coming. It was so hard for us to get our schedules together. But I'm glad we did it. I know, Allegra was sick for a little mm-hmm. while, and I'm so glad she's doing better. She's actually sick again. What? Oh, yeah. yeah. She has a cold now. I mean, it's just a little cold, so I'm, like, super grateful that it's not, you know, anything serious. But the last one did kind of scare me. Yeah. Vanessa, thank you so much for coming back and speaking to this to us about this. I know you were nervous, but once you got going, there was nothing to be nervous about. No. Well, thank you for having me. You ladies are I like having you on. I like listening to your guys's your guys's podcast and your episodes. It's thank really you. nice to just listen to you guys conversate and I guess it's just I I think the most pleasant part about it is just like um how natural you guys come off um in conversating with each other. Because I really do think that those are the kinds of conversations that we need to be having um, with other parents and just not just with other parents, but just like with the world in general. I think that parents and children are the most underserved population um, here 
in society. And I think that it's really unfair because that's, that's where everything starts. That's where the next generation begins. Well, we're so, so grateful for you listening and giving us all the love and support that you do. And we really can't wait to have you back on for more topics because we know you're full of secrets. <laughs> <laughs> Her hair is so big because it's full of secrets. <laughs> yeah, I'd be happy to come back on. You got to tell us how you taught Allegra, you know, her EC method. Oh, yeah. We'll get, we'll get into that. So we're excited yeah. to hear your journey. I'm happy to share it. I'm really excited to, to share it. So I've, I've been, I don't know if I told Jessica this, but like I had started to, you know, kind of try to like juggle and balance everything that I was doing and then also starting the Instagram and my website that I started and I was trying to like do everything simultaneously. Mm-hmm. But then like it got really hard and it became very intimidating because I felt like I was constantly having to like share some immediate moment and then I was like forgetting to be present and then I was like okay like this is not working like it's really draining so I it took me a long time to decide this but I was just like you know what like I need to find another way so I went to Best Buy and I bought like one of those terabytes like the external hard drives And I was just like, you know what, like, I'm just going to document everything and I'm just going to record everything and I'm just going to take lots and lots of pictures. And then when Allegra is, you know, maybe two or two and a half, then I'll look back and I'll reflect on it and I'll share it from that perspective. So, yeah, so that's what we've been doing. And, you know, I just I, I found that that was the best way for me to be present in the moment. And I feel like it's. You know, it's a good and a bad thing because it gives me the opportunity to look back and reflect on the journey that we went through. But then it's also a bad thing because I feel like there wouldn't be like any kind of rawness to it because it's in the moment that it's happening. But I still think that I have a lot of wonderful knowledge that I can share with parents, even yeah, if I wait a little while. Be just as valuable. Yeah, thank you. So I got a lot of goodies for you ladies. <laughs> yeah, we can't wait. Oh, we got a lot of stuff coming up too. We're trying to record as much as we can before I pop this baby out and get lazy. Yeah, <laughs> you have to. It's already starting. Every day she's like, nah, I just want a nap. Nah, I'm cool. <laughs> I just want a nap. <laughs> you should do like, um, have you considered doing like uh when after you give birth have you considered doing like a like a Modi mommy's takeover or something like that like just like having people have another mom yeah like just take it over with Vanessa and then you just like sit in bed and edit it while you're feeding the baby (laughs) (laughs) I wish it was that easy to edit um but um no, I mean, I told her I was going to teach her oh, how to okay. edit it, so so that way she can do it. And yeah, we've already spoken about um, if there's ever a time where there's a guest and I can't be there, you know, and this is our chance to talk to them that, you know, I want her to go ahead and do it. But because there's going to be days where I'm like, I'm not moving. Right. <laughs> and we're expecting or, that. But we're, we're trying to just stash up a lot of episodes because, I mean, we're better together. So yeah, you guys are. You really are. <laughs> so we'll see. Have we? We've never done any solo episodes, have we? No, I don't think so. I, I think there was one episode where um, part of the uh, episode part of the podcast the, Vanessa was on. missing. Yeah, I think I remember that um, one. And then like she came on a little bit after. Mm-hmm. But yeah, it's definitely different. But that time we had like two guests on at the same time, so there was already three of us, and it was kind of a lot. It, after like four people it just gets out of control yeah it's really hard to get a word too many in. people You're like oh, talking oh at the same i don't time. know when to talk yep well don't, don't don't text with me because yeah you'll never get a chance to text back <laughs> then you'll just say okay yeah i got cool. it one word. <laughs> and then she'll hate you for life <laughs> and then I'll like, hold on let me send you the link for my tutorial on that <laughs> No, but I do. I do appreciate like how thorough you are, and I'm just 
not that way. She's I'm just so kidding. short and sweet. Like, cool. Got it. Thanks. Bye. Mm-hmm. And if I do have a lot to say, I'm like, what are you doing right now? I'm going to call you. Because if I do... <laughs> I don't want to tell you stuff. You got to hear uh-uh. Uh-huh. Uh, you don't want to try to decode what I'm writing because it's not going to make sense. You're not going to know what my tone of voice is. <laughs> I know. You're not. <laughs> okay, okay, okay. We're doing our After Mexican our, goodbye. Mexican goodbye. <laughs> yeah. That's funny. Story of our lives. Vanessa, thank you so much thank for your you time. Thank you for having me. We really appreciate you and good luck with everything with Allegra. Thank you. And Olivia and going back to work. So Thank you. I really need it. Yeah. I'll check on you It'll next okay. week. See All how right. I want to be having a party. <laughs> All right. Um, thank you, ladies, for having me on. Have a good night. Yeah. You too. We'll talk to you soon. I hope you guys got a good insight on what one person's vision of being pro-life means to them and I mean it definitely put a different spin on some things for me and I think going back to listen to this episode later I might have more understand a little more Mm -hmm. but right now I'm kind of trying to sit with it because her and I I've never talked to somebody about being pro-life you know yeah right so I'll sit with it for a little while and you know see what I make of it. But I really, really do appreciate that she took the time and opened up to us about what she was feeling. And I think a lot of the things like we already thought, other than we we were thinking that it would, for most people, it's religious focus. Right. Um, but it didn't seem like that was the case for her, but I know it's different for everyone. And it was nice, too, to have that long, just open mommy talk that we had after. Definitely. It's healthy. All moms, you know, we need an outlet to just let it out and feel like somebody other than just a mommy. Like, oh, I'm Vanessa, and I want to have a conversation with other moms, even if it is about mom stuff or if it isn't about mom stuff. It's just, it's just nice to have a support system. Mm-hmm. I got the best one. Yeah. <laughs> All right, guys. I think that's it for this episode. Mm-hmm. Two hours later. Always stay moody, guys. <laughs> <laughs>